Welcome to In the Wake with Whitley. Here on this podcast, we cover mental health, life lessons, mindset growth, and tons of storytelling. Together, we'll laugh, we'll cry, and everything in between. I'm your host, Whitley Rogers. I'm a certified life coach and mental health advocate. I'm also a survivor of sexual and mental abuse. I'm here to open up those conversations that are normally uncomfortable or hush-hush in society. Keep listening for bits and pieces of my personal journey and insights along with other interviewees. Okay, I am here in quarantine recording this podcast episode. I was not able to release a new episode last week because I was sick and had a horrible cough and sore throat. And I'm still recovering from that, but I needed something to do during this quarantine, and I bet you guys needed something to listen to. So here we are. All right, so this next podcast episode is basically a pep talk to myself and something that I'm producing so that I can re-listen to it when I need a reminder. Because you know what? I don't have it all together all the time, or even half of the time. And I find myself in this rut over and over again. But we're going to talk about how to stop that cycle from happening. And when I say we, I mean me. (laughs) So here's the thing. When I came back to America a few months ago, it took me a whole lot longer than I expected to get back up on my feet and start my routines and practices of self-care and get into the habits again. But I was stuck in this cycle, and I'll explain what that looked like a bit. So I came home mid-December, and I told myself, it's going to take a week or two to readjust to a normal sleeping schedule, you know, with all this jet lag and I'll I'll need to get back into the flow of work and the podcast and sorts, so don't sweat it. It will take time. But then that time turned into three weeks being home before I contacted my boss to start working again, and then a month before I reached out to my therapist to start sessions again, and about two months before I snapped back into my self-care routines, and almost three whole months before I produced another podcast episode. That stagnant state I was in was dragged out way longer than I intended. And you see, at that point, I had been out of my routines since July. So it had been six or seven months since I had been in this flow. And once you're out of your habits, especially where it had been that long, it's so incredibly hard to get motivated to get back into them or create new ones. And especially since being home from Thailand, it has been so difficult to take action and start doing my forms of self-care and my routines that make me feel good, you know, that fill my soul up. It felt physically impossible to even start I had almost created habits of not doing the things I needed to do and just pushing them off over and over again. 
And I knew the things I needed to do to start feeling better and more myself again, but I seriously could not bring myself to do them. And if you've ever been in this place and felt those feelings that it's physically impossible, then you're in the right place. (laughs) I was stuck in this place where I was self-sabotaging day in and day out, and I felt terrible inside. And that feeling kept building and building. I was in this state of depression or numbness almost, where I was going through the motions of living, just waking up, doing the bare minimum of going to work, coming home, maybe sleeping or watching Netflix, eating dinner, and then going to bed. And that cycle got old real quick, but I didn't know how to stop it. I intended to do other things that I knew would make me feel better, but I couldn't ever get myself to follow through and take action to physically do them. It just felt too overwhelming, and I felt incapable of it until I reached a breaking point one day. I'm not quite sure what broke me that day, but I laid in my dark closet, which is not very big at all, in a ball of pity and self-loathing. I would burst into tears for a second, but then I would stop that because I didn't want to feel it. So I'd numb it out by scrolling on my phone, doing something mindless, and then the emotions couldn't be shoved down any longer, so they'd boil over and I'd cry, and then I'd scroll to stop myself from crying and distract, and then I'd cry, and then I'd distract. So then I felt like I needed to escape this cycle by going on a drive and blast some healing music because music has been a big part and a big factor of my healing and self-work journey. But that drive was short-lived because I started to sob so hard that I had to come home because it wasn't safe for me to keep driving around like that. And I kid you not, I sat in my car outside my house for four hours, listening to this one song on repeat, just crying every ounce of water out of my body. I was so sick of feeling stuck. I was so sick of feeling miserable, but I didn't know how to not feel miserable. And I just wanted to give up on life. It seemed like it would just be so much easier to give up on living than actually make a change and retrain my habits. It was seriously getting to that drastic point. I had actually written in my journal a short paragraph, nothing more and nothing less. It just said, I'm so sick of this shit. I'm sick of being stuck. I'm sick of feeling alone. I'm sick of numbing out everything so I don't have to do the inner work. I'm sick of being depressed. I'm sick of this pain. I'm sick of going nowhere. That's all said. But little did I know, That small act of reaching out for my journal and writing my frustrations and feelings down and acknowledging them, getting in that motion of doing that was the first step to help break that cycle. I had gone from writing in my journal every single day in Thailand. I did not miss a day of documenting my daily experiences. So I went from that to not touching my journal for close to two months when I got home. And I 
had broken that well-trained and disciplined habit so quickly. And then the longer I went without retraining that habit, the harder it felt to just do it. Anyway, back to my story. I was over it. I was over all the self-sabotaging behaviors, and I couldn't keep merely surviving day after day. I was sick of just surviving. I knew I needed something more. So I told myself, this ends tomorrow. I will wake up and it's a new day. I can start fresh and begin the hard work of retraining myself into a lifestyle of self-care and self-growth. And sure thing, I woke up the next morning feeling lighter because I knew I wasn't going to repeat what I had been doing for the past couple of months. I started my day drawing peace from within through journaling, meditation, some yoga stretches, and then I listened to some of my favorite podcast shows while I cleaned my room, and I painted for quite a few hours, and I opened a book and started reading. I pushed myself to just start, to quit making excuses, and once I got over the initial dread of not wanting to do anything and just stay in bed, and I fought that, I got into the flow, and once I taste an ounce of how those activities make me feel, I crave doing more and more, and I don't want to stop. I don't want to disrupt that flow. But as I started putting in the work and making changes, I noticed another self-sabotaging cycle start. It was sort of this tug-of-war between opposite extremes with self-discipline and grace, which you may think, How are those self-sabotaging? Those are both great qualities to have, but let me explain what I mean. Really, when I noticed myself at one end of an extreme, it wasn't really self-discipline or grace, but rather other behaviors disguised and excused by using those positive traits instead. If I was striving to be self-disciplined, which most definitely is something I needed to embody when trying to break a cycle like I was, I found that I would reach an extreme state of putting so many pressures and so many expectations on myself. And then if I didn't meet my own high standards, I would become incredibly hard on myself and beat myself up over whatever I was lacking or failing to be perfect at or do perfectly. And this perfectionistic mindset paralleled with a desire to be self-disciplined created behaviors like negative self-talk and harsh standards that are not healthy at all and do not motivate me to do better and be better but rather shame me into wanting to just give up because I do not feel good enough for the task. But then as I realized this extreme state wasn't getting the job done, I would vow to give myself some grace in the process. But this became another extreme when that grace gave me a pass to fall into a pattern of self-betrayal where I was not doing the things I wanted or needed to because of lame reasons. If I skipped out on self-growth promoting behaviors and activities merely because I didn't feel like it in the moment. I found myself justifying that with so many excuses and one being that I need to loosen up and give myself some grace. But this leads me right back into that rut of laziness or lack of motivation 
that I started off in. So now that I am aware of this back and forth, I can better recognize myself falling into them and prevent it from happening by shifting into a balance of the two. Every self-disciplined act meets a dose of grace and compassion for the messy and imperfect efforts. This way I'm able to move forward in a healthy and self-growth promoting manner instead of staying stagnant in that cycle and resistance of the two. And it definitely is easier said than done and it takes a lot of conscious awareness and practice and those introspective reflections or check-ins on how I'm doing to be able to spot and recognize these things and be able to change them. While doing the work, I have to regularly and periodically check in with myself. How am I feeling? How am I doing at this? What does my progress look like? What are my feelings attached to that progress? That way I can recognize whether I am falling into self-sabotaging or negative self-talk behaviors that are really stimulating my growth and my progress. I want to share another segment from a journal entry around this same time where I was finally taking the moves to better myself and retrain my habits. This is from one of my nightly reflection journal entries on how my day went. Maybe what did work out and what didn't go according to plan, whatever I felt needed to be journaled. Previous to this entry, I had set some morning intentions for how I wanted to move throughout my day, whether that be the feelings I wanted to foster or the things I wanted to engage in. So I wrote, I think my intention for the day went well. I tend to put pretty high expectations on myself and it makes things sometimes overwhelming, but it was a big baby step in the right direction. I got a lot more done than I have lately and I'm proud of myself for exercising that self-discipline muscle. It really helped to come back to the single word focus, which was my intention, and always have that simple reminder in the back of my head. I am allowing myself grace in that I did not necessarily meet the quote deadlines I put on myself, but that I got a lot more done that I didn't necessarily think of or plan or expect to. So my closing mantra from my morning intentions, this or something better, held true for today. I feel that this reflection journaling is a good example of finding that middle ground between grace and self-discipline and checking in with myself and how it went and how I felt. I acknowledged the mindset I found myself slipping into of being really hard on myself and helped rewrite that story I was telling myself about my day. Rather than dwelling on all the expectations I did not meet, I was celebrating the progress and momentum I was creating. I recognized that, hey, I haven't been participating in these habits and activities for quite a while, so I'm out of practice, and compared to my past version of myself from maybe a week ago or a month ago, I'm doing a hell of a lot better today, and for that fact, I am proud. So I want to continue describing these cycles and ruts I find myself in and what factors keep me stagnant and stuck. The first hard truth I had to learn was that I can't do everything based solely on whether I feel like it or not. And actually my therapist is the one who spit this truth when I was in this funk because she was like, 
if you only do the inner work and self-care when you feel like it, 90% of the time you aren't going to end up doing the thing. When you absolutely need to put in the work, you're most likely feeling like crap and in this funk. So based on this method of getting things done, you're going to leave your decision making with that crappy sluggish feeling. And I don't know about you, but that feeling does not motivate or encourage me to want to do self-growth promoting things. And the voices in my head do not want to do the work. Those voices get real loud when the work needs to be done. And they try to convince me that it's okay to just give up and not put in the work. Those voices make up excuses and justify letting things slipping through the cracks. And let me tell you, those voices are really convincing. And I definitely give in to them way too often. It takes so much mental clarity and mindfulness and truly being aware of your thoughts to challenge those voices and shut them down. You have to override the voices in your head, justifying and excusing why you could just not do the thing. Because guess what? We all know it's a lie when you say you will start or do it tomorrow. Chapter two of the book, Girl, Wash Your Face by Rachel Hollis, really stood out to me for this very reason. It calls out that bullshit excuse and explains the deep-rooted harm it can cause if that's your go-to. Honestly, can we all just agree that when we say we're going to do the thing tomorrow, we are not doing it any time soon. If you don't necessarily want to read the whole book, but are curious about this one chapter, I will link a podcast episode where she reads this entire chapter in the show notes. But I will try my best to convey her point right now and what I took from this lesson personally. So basically she's saying you cannot give up on these commitments to yourself because you are conditioning yourself to not rely on yourself. Take a moment to consider this. Do the promises you make to yourself have very little power or meaning to you. We can talk all day about the things we want to do and create and accomplish and become, but when it comes down to whether we are actually taking action on manifesting those things into reality, are you following through and committing yourself to those same desires and wishes? Are you walking the walk? The standard you set for yourself is where you'll end up. Do you push through and do the thing? Or did you give up and push it off for later? I want to start making pinky promises to myself and not break them. Pinky promises aren't empty promises that will get forgotten about or won't ever be fulfilled. I treat them as if they are sacred and I don't throw them around for just anything or with just anyone. I only make pinky promises with and to some of my closest circle of people because it's serious to me. It means that I trust you wholeheartedly to deliver and follow through with that promise. I do not make them unless I really believe in the person and really believe that they will make it happen. But I have never thought of making those same promises with myself. 
because I don't think I'm in a place where I trust myself full-heartedly to deliver and follow through. I may fight so hard to keep my word for and to other people, but me? I'm the first person I break a promise to. I'm so quick to cancel on myself and let myself down. Why? Why though? Why is that a reoccurring thing? When explaining this, Rachel gives this scenario. Let's say you have a friend that is constantly flaking out on you and never showing up to plans or canceling last minute to do something else instead and then giving you super lame excuses like, hey, I really do want to see you, but... This TV show I'm watching right now is so good. Sorry, girl. Um, if it were me, I would probably get really annoyed and frustrated and choose to not have a very close relationship with that person because I most likely would not trust them. I wouldn't be able to rely on them when they committed to doing or being something. And you wouldn't believe their word. But why is it okay when we do that exact same thing with ourselves over and over again? When I got home from Thailand, I was so excited that I could get back into the flow and routine of practicing yoga and attending classes at my studio. But I signed myself up for dozens of classes before I actually made it back into that studio. I would make the empty promise that I would go by taking the minimal effort to sign up. But when the day came and it was an hour before the class started, I would come up with some lame justified excuse as to why I had to miss that night's class. And I would cancel my spot and with it, cancel my commitment to becoming my higher best self. I did that over and over again until I started becoming more conscious of this work. And I just lugged myself to that studio, even though everything within me was screaming to cancel and turn around. But as soon as I sat down on that mat, I was relieved and immediately felt so much better. I started small by doing that once a week, making one yoga class in a week. And then it probably took me another week before I could do it again. And then a couple times a week until I had built up that belief in myself and my promises that I committed to attending a yoga class every single day for two weeks straight, 14 classes in a row. I wanted to stick it to my subconscious and say, look, I can do the thing. I'm not cowering away. I am able to commit myself and you can trust me because right now your subconscious self probably knows that you can't be trusted, relied upon, and believed when you say you're going to do something for yourself. So your subconscious lets you off the hook. Your subconscious will expect you to fail and make it easier for you to fail. It will make the excuses easier, the justifications more convincing, the distractions more distracting. Your subconscious, your body, your mind will revert to what it knows and what your track record has looked like in the past. It's a sort of muscle memory of knowing you can't be trusted to follow through. And so you're subconsciously falling into that same pattern. But in order to move out of this funk and stuck place, we have to break that habit and retrain your brain 
and yourself to act and show up differently. You have to build that muscle of trust in yourself. Build that well of trust so that you know without a doubt you will be able to do the thing and stick to that commitment. Start with one small goal and build on that success. Build on these lived experiences. Just like with my yoga classes, I started with one class, committing to one class, not committing to a month of classes because that's too overwhelming and I will give up at the first sight of it. But I started with one class and then I built on that success to two classes, to three, to 14 in a row. Again, build on those lived experiences. Maybe today I start with the promise to wake up and make my bed in the morning and I follow through and do it. That builds rapport with your subconscious self and makes it a little more likely that I can follow through the next time with my bigger and bigger promises. But also know that your word has weight. Take into account whether the thing you are wanting to do is attainable with everything else going on and all the outside factors. Don't just easily give away your word if you don't fully believe you can commit yourself to it. I really like the quote from Rachel, when you really want something, you'll find a way. When you don't really want something, you'll find an excuse. Isn't that a profound truth? Do you want it that bad? Because if you did, it would be done. If it's not in the process of happening and manifesting, it's obviously not a high enough priority to you. Another way to describe and identify this vicious cycle is what the anatomy of peace calls the act of self-betrayal. I absolutely love this book, Anatomy of Peace by the Arbinger Institute. I swear I have that whole book highlighted, which kind of defeats the purpose of highlighting, but it's just that good, you guys. I recommend reading it, but they describe and mention this concept of self-betrayal over and over. And they have multiple diagrams to go with it, actually, to help explain it. But basically, we have these thoughts, these inklings that pass through us. And in, in, in this case, they call it a sense. You have hundreds, maybe even thousands a day. And when you receive this sense, you reach a fork in the road. You can either honor the sense by carrying it out and taking action, or you can deny and betray the sense. So for example, let's say I get the sense to practice meditation because I'm feeling a certain way, maybe anxious, and so that thought comes through. And as it does, I can either make the effort to meditate or I can make up an excuse as to why I'm way too busy for that. Or another one being, maybe I get the sense to call my grandma and check in and chat because it's been a while and I miss her. So in that moment, I can either make the effort to reach out or I can make up an excuse and push it off. I believe these senses come from your higher self. They come from your intuition or spirit guides, whatever you want to believe or call it. And as they come through, you can either make an effort to honor that sense or you can make up an excuse to betray it. But I noticed that I will become out of alignment the moment 
I betray that sense of self and act contrary to what I felt and knew was right or good or the best thing for me in that moment. And the very second you betray that sense, your mind races to justify and make excuses as to why you were, quote, right or valid in betraying yourself in the first place. The book directly reads, I betrayed myself and my whole world changed. It changed because I had chosen a different way of being and showing up in the world a way that needed justification. Because I needed justification, I began to see everything in a self-justifying way. Others, myself, the world, my past, my present, my future, my hardships, my responsibilities, my view of everything became transformed. Transformed for the purpose of feeling justified. And whenever we need to be justified, Anything that will give us justification will immediately take on exaggerated importance in our life. Self-betrayal corrupts everything, even the value we place on things. And honestly, think about it. You can either ignore and justify or excuse yourself out of doing the work now and doing a million other things to fill your time instead, But that doesn't make whatever you have to do go away. It just prolongs it into your future and pushes it for down the road, whether that be in a couple hours, a couple weeks, or a year, a couple years. You can override these excuses and put in the effort and work now so that you can have all the free time and fun later. What I'm trying to say is let's set up a scenario. Let's say you have to do homework, but you really just feel like playing your new video game. You could either listen to those voices in your head and justify yourself playing video games and putting off that homework, but there will be consequences if you do that. One being while playing the video games, you have that mental checklist in the back of your mind that knows full well you have to do that homework sometime. So you can't really focus or enjoy yourself while playing because you have something nagging and hanging over you. Or two being, you procrastinate so much that it never gets done and then down the road, being maybe the next day, you suffer the consequences of getting behind in that class not showing up prepared, or getting a bad failing grade for that assignment. But the alternative is if you just took the time, energy, and effort to do your homework when you first had that inkling or thought to, you would get it done and over with, and then long term, it frees you up to play all the games you want afterwards, and it sets you up for success down the road when you go to class prepared and caught up and have a decent grade. And so like I said, that inkling, that sense that is telling you to do something or show up some way has your best interest in mind. It is setting you up for success down the road. Another maybe silly or minor example (laughs) of this and something that really happens for me is that When I get an email or text and I see that notification right then as it comes through, I 89% of the time decide, you know what, 
I'll just respond later. I don't feel like it right now. But as hours turn into days, I continue to see that little red notification as a reminder every time I'm on my phone, which is a lot. And I keep ignoring and pretending and pushing it away, but that doesn't fix my problem and make it go away. It just prolongs my suffering, if you can even call it that. And the longer I wait to do the thing, it fills me with dread even thinking of doing it. The longer it sits on my to-do list, the harder it feels to actually make the thing happen. And I'm not kidding. I go through this cycle of dread with responding to texts and emails every single day. It's a real power struggle. And I apologize to anyone who has been the victim of my terrible texting back skills. It may be days before I muster up the courage to just respond. Just warning you. (laughs) So with these examples, I think the lesson is to have your future self's best interest in mind. Ask yourself, what will help me succeed and feel my best long term? You don't need a band-aid to just cover the wound. You need deeper healing and resolutions so that you don't behave in the same destructive manner and become wounded over and over again. You do not need a short-term fix that may feel good in the moment, but that causes deep-rooted hurt long-term and may cause you to beat yourself up over that moment. So here are some small action steps to start implementing one by one. It may seem overwhelming to retrain your subconscious and begin this inner work, but if you break it down, it's attainable and can be done. My therapist gave me the assignment to start small with 15-minute segments at a time. I had explained the dread and the lack of motivation to take action on becoming my best self, and she told me to start with this practice. Just allow yourself 15 minutes to start participating in the work you want done. Set a timer on your phone and push yourself through those 15 short minutes. Even if you aren't feeling it, do it anyway. This starts to work that self-discipline and commitment muscle. Commit to 15 minutes. My subconscious knows I can't commit to three hours of undivided time in this state that I'm in, but it can most definitely trust a 15-minute block commitment. Another practice to develop is to set an intention for your day. A sentence that can become a mantra or even a single word that I can repeat in my head and come back to that can direct me back to my bigger desire or purpose or goal for that day or long term. Being intentional and mindful in how I fill my time is crucial and I found that mantras can help guide me on that path I'm looking to take. And if you're really serious about wanting to take action on your goals and becoming your best self, get rid of or minimize at least your distractions because the moment you become focused and zoning in on your desire, a million distractions are going to get up in your face, which because we're human, we may most likely Choose the easier, more fun, or whatever route over the dedicated work because the work doesn't always feel fun. Get rid of social media for an hour, a day, a week, however long it takes to detox yourself from that distraction. Or 
help you put your phone down for a moment. Put limits or timers on your use to maximize your free time to put in the work. Turn off or even delete the Netflix app if you can't resist watching the latest and greatest episode. Silence your cell phone or turn off your notifications if you can't ignore every tweet and text that lights up your screen. These are just the technical distractions, but also think about physical or mental distractions. Move into a different space if being in your room or bed distracts you. Or the opposite, leaving the noise and chaos to find peace in your personal space. Maybe you need to complete a more blaring or time-sensitive to-do item that is distracting you from fully devoting yourself to this current project. Whatever it may be, minimize those distractions. They are interrupting your flow and progress, and it's not cool. <laughs> Another tip is to set yourself up for success and feeling good. Think and plan into your future. For example, in Thailand, while I was teaching my precious Thai babies, if I just winged it or was lazy and dropped the ball on my lesson plans and preparation, I found that I dreaded teaching. I just wanted to get it over with and move on, and I really did not look forward to teaching that lesson for the day. But if I carved out the time and effort to thoroughly lesson plan and prep my lesson materials beforehand, I no longer dreaded teaching. But rather, I looked forward to it, and I was excited. Actually putting in the work and thought set me up for a successful day and relationship with teaching. Carve out specific time for you and your goals. Make and prioritize time to work towards getting unstuck. Otherwise, your noisy life won't grant you free time in your lap to do it. You'll create excuse after excuse that you don't have enough time to put in the energy and effort for the work. But again, if you really want and desire something, you'll make time for it. And during this ongoing process of becoming unstuck, be careful of the stories you tell yourself. Are you beating yourself up, saying, oh, I'm so lazy, I'm such a disappointment, I could have done better, blah, 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 because that's not very promising or encouraging. Pretty sure that that has never in the history of ever motivated me into getting ish done and taking action. It has just contributed to the cycle of feeling like utter crap and stuck in those ways. So try reframing the stories you are feeding your soul for a change. I am capable of doing this. I am smart. I am strong. I am efficient and intentional, etc. Talk to yourself. Give yourself that pep talk. And that is much more likely to boost you into good spirits and action rather than the opposite. And along those same lines, raise your vibrations and energy levels. Feed the energy you are wanting to embody. When you are feeling stuck, you are in this stagnant and stale energy that is not moving forward, obviously. So get that energy into motion and breathe it in. You can do this through compassion, speaking those kind phrases to yourself, through practicing gratitude, naming five things, 
that you're super grateful for in that moment through non-judgmental observing, just noticing the things around you, noticing how you feel through setting intentions. Intentions are kind of like goals, but smaller and just broader almost. Simply Sadie Jane teaches this concept often, and I definitely recommend checking her resources out on raising energy levels to help motivate and get into that headspace. Because moving into that energy will help you take advantage of your desires to move forward. An anonymous quote says, I know the easy option is to keep waiting until you are ready but it's going to get to the point where you realize that someday is today and that there's no right time. Ignore the fear of failure and jump when you need to. It's better to fail than to not try at all. Because the truth is, we will never be ready, you guys. There will always be something else telling us that we're not good enough and we're not ready to start. We'll always come up with excuses and stories and justifications on why we just aren't ready to start or do the thing. So stop that silliness and just dive in. Take it one step at a time, and when you fall, pick yourself back up and try again, as cliche as it sounds. I'll be right here alongside you because I am in the thick of working on strengthening this muscle right now. I'm breaking the stagnant cycles. It's a constant state of relearning and practice. This is a journey, not a one-step destination. And I invite you to join me on this road. So to end this week's podcast episode, I want to share the song, Got It In You by Banners. And personally, I love the acoustic version, but that's just me. But I chose this song because it's such a beautiful rendition portraying the message that you already have everything you will ever need already inside of you. And the lead singer said in an interview that this song is a bit of a reminder that if you ever begin to doubt yourself, you're great and you've totally got this. So the lyrics read, holding back the flood in this skyscraper town. You gave all that sweat and blood. Now you think you're going to drown. You can't tell that you're bigger than the sea that you're sinking in. And you don't know what you got, but you got it at your fingertips. Oh, you got it in you. You got it in you. When the lights go out and leave you standing in the dark, no one ever told you this would be so hard. I know you think your fire is burning out but I still see you shining through. You got it in you. Not everything you hear should sound like the truth because nobody else's words can define you. Maybe you don't see it, but you're quicker than the world can spin. I know you think your fire is burning out, but I still see you shining through. You've got it in you. You've got it in you. You've got it in you, you guys. All right. Thanks for listening. So proud of myself for getting through that episode. So many times I was dying of coughing, but I made it through. Okay. Happy quarantine. Tune in next week.
I hope this podcast left you feeling empowered, better understood, and less alone in this crazy thing called life. If you like what you hear, leave a rating or review and share it with your friends. Thanks for listening and tune in next time.